Looking at our next mission statement, we have five mission statements, and uh, three of them are on the wall, and the last two will be up this week for you to see. This one focuses more on reaching out in a very intentional way. Overcoming barriers and boundaries with the gospel is probably what we're all about as a church. We're, we're here to love God and to know Him, but beyond that is taking the good news message to those who have not heard it yet. Not just around the world, but across the street, maybe next door to someone who's moved in. When I was thinking about overcoming barriers and boundaries, I thought, what is a great example of this? And uh, maybe you've heard of Rick Hoyt from Holland, Massachusetts. He was born with cerebral palsy, and the doctors told his parents that likely he wouldn't be much more than a vegetable, that he should be institutionalized and uh, not really given much hope for anything more than that. But his mother believed otherwise and began teaching him the alphabet and then how to read. Eventually, they found out that he was actually quite bright. They fitted him with a computer where he could communicate, which allowed him to um, share his feelings and ask questions and to learn even at a higher rate. So uh, eventually, he not only graduated from Boston University with a degree in special education, he later worked in their computer science division developing systems to aid in communication and other tasks for people with disabilities. One day, he heard that a friend of his um, was damaged, a lacrosse player at the school, became paralyzed, and so there was a fundraiser, and Rick asked his dad, can we run in the, in the race for fundraising? And his dad wasn't a runner, he wasn't terribly interested, but his son wanted to do something, so they did. In uh, 1977, he wanted to prove that his life went on no matter what your disability is. So his father said, hey, we'll, we'll run the race. And after the race, his son Rick said, Dad, uh, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. Well, that phrase sparked something in his father. His name was Dick Hoyt. And so he began training he would put a cement bag on a wheelchair and push it as he ran every day until uh, amazing things started happening. Through March 2016, the Hoyts had completed, uh, competed in 1,130 endurance events, including 72 marathons, six Ironman triathlons, and they'd run the Boston Marathon 32 times. For the swim portion of the triathlon, Dick used a rope attached to his body to pull Rick in a boat that he was sitting in. For the cycle portion, Rick rode on front of a specially designed tandem bike. For the run portion, Dick pushed Rick in his wheelchair. 2008, the Hoyt team was inducted into the Ironman Hall of Fame and were recipients of the ESPN's Jimmy V Award. In April 2013, a bronze statue of the pair of them was dedicated near the heart or the start of the Boston Marathon. I can't imagine more to overcome than what they overcame. But there's a lot of things and a lot of challenges in life that you have to face and overcome in order to succeed or get to the next level in your own life. And I wonder, how about you? What have you had to overcome in your life in order to succeed? or to achieve something that was out of reach. 
Did you have a learning disability that made you have to work harder than others around you? My little brother, Norm, actually graduated with his PhD uh, before he found out he was dyslexic. And uh, after he found out, he says, that's why it was so hard. He actually had to do German and French uh, for his PhD as well. Maybe you have had an alcoholic parent that constantly disappointed you and belittled you and maybe threatened you. Maybe you get in way over your head in debt and you had to whittle it away in, in order to wipe it out. It was a challenge that was daunting, but you overcame that. Maybe you had to learn a new language. Maybe you had to start all over when a business went under. Maybe you had to practice extra hard to make it to, on that sports team. You put in the effort. It took everything you had, but eventually you made it. So has there been an obstacle in your life that you've had to face that took a lot of effort and a lot of work in order to achieve something? For Jesus, it was the cross. It was always looming in the distance. He knew that that was... That was the one thing he would have to overcome in order to achieve his goal, to become a savior, to give people a chance at new life. And fortunately, I've learned over the years, churches can inadvertently put obstacles in front of people who want to come to Jesus. I remember as a youth pastor in Winnipeg, I had a youth event one evening, and the church organist was there practicing, and a kid from across the tracks was there for the first time, first time in church. And when he came into the church, heard the organ, he says, is there a hockey game going on here? <laughs> the only place he'd ever heard an organ. Well, we also, you know, use churchy language. We tell people to turn in their hymnal to hymn number 355. What's a hymnal? <laughs> but we don't even tell them how to read the, the music sometimes back in the day. Or we pass these receptacles for money. Like, every week, what's going on with that? And then you get bonus points if you put your money in a little envelope and stick it in <laughs> the basket, you know. Or we use churchy language. We use uh, uh, unfamiliar theological concepts and sometimes give them a list of unnecessary thou shalt nots to follow in order to become a good Christian. Just to come into a church for some people is a huge transformation in their own understanding of people and and a religious ritual, and what, you know, the Lord's Supper. It's, all these things are meaningful to us, but to an outsider coming in, they're huge barriers and need to be explained about a church culture and rights that we have. And our, our, uh, the fourth mission statement reads to seek and serve Christ by overcoming barriers and boundaries with the gospel. So I was thinking about what barriers and boundaries do people have to overcome in order to find Jesus? And uh, here's some of them. Race, culture, nationality, location, political affiliations, language, social standing, economic status. They can be huge hurdles. But I was thinking about these, you know, trying to get to Jesus and overcoming all of these. But really what, what the Bible is telling us is that we need to turn it around to say, not what do they have to overcome to come to us, but what do we have to overcome to go to them? How do we overcome all of these barriers and boundaries to bring the gospel, the good news, to people who have not heard it. The focus is not on them, what they have to do, but on us, how we must abrogate these things in order to share the gospel with others. So Jesus died for everyone and will give everyone who believes in him eternal life. So when he commands us in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, to go into all the world 
and give the good news to every person. It's a slightly different version of Matthew 28, where we call that the Great Commission. But this one actually says, take the gospel to every person. Every person needs to hear the good news, hope of Jesus Christ. We must figure out ways to overcome the obstacles, the barriers, the boundaries, and the impediments so that every person can have a chance to hear about and believe in Jesus. So it's our responsibility. This is one of these mission statements that can cause you to squirm a little bit because it puts the pressure on us. What is is God asking us to do? G. Campbell Morgan says, a call... Uh, To call a man evangelical who is not evangelistic is an utter contradiction. So today the term evangelical, uh, unfortunately, is falling into disrepute. It's been associated with political viewpoints, particularly down in the States, where if you're an evangelical, you're tied to particular candidates or philosophies or, or worldviews. But the term evangelical or evangel means good news. An evangelist is one who shares good news. Being evangelistic means we want everyone, everything that we do to reflect our desire for people to hear the good news. If we're evangelistic and evangelical, we've got good news to share with everybody. Kurt Cameron, the actor and producer, says, if you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you share it? We have the cure to death. Get out there and share it. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, kind of explains what this looks like when you work it out in real time. He says, 1 Corinthians 9, beginning at 19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who were under the law, as under the law, and I might win those who were under the law. To those who were without the law, without, uh, I, I read this again. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who were without the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. He's saying, I, I have to keep changing myself and adapting and adjusting to figure out a way to share the gospel with those all around me. Paul didn't want people to look like him or sound like him or have the same perspective of, as him. He felt it was his responsibility to adapt to the other person, to enter their world, to reach them with the gospel. The goal was to save the lost from final destruction. And the means was to adapt the methodology without changing the message. So it says, I became all things to all people. All things means to be creative and adaptive, to learn their culture, learn their language, be flexible, study your target audience. If you see a culture, a person, a race, a group, and you just have no connection whatsoever with them, but you know that God loves them and wants them to hear the gospel, do your research. Find out where they're from. Find out what their culture's like. Find out some kind of a meeting point where you can have a conversation with them. Uh, we went home not too long ago, a couple months back. We live in Abbotsford, up Town Line Hill. It was all blocked off. 
We couldn't get home. We had to go around the back way and up the backside because there was a huge party of uh, East Asian people. They blocked the roads. They had food up and down. They had parades. They had floats. And going, what's going on? We asked somebody, you have to pay for the food? No, it's all free. They're going, what am I doing here? It's all free. <laughs> we, weren't, we were caught off guard because we didn't know what was happening in our own community. Now we're going to be ready the next time to go out there. Come with me. We'll have a good time. He says, I want to be all things to all people. He never compromised his own convictions or frequented brothels or bars to go where some people hang out. He did not put himself in a place to be tempted or that he would compromise his own integrity. But you have to change the methodology to get the message across. The priorities of a teenager are not the same priorities of those who are retired. Women have different worries than men. Single adults do not have the same needs as families. And so how do, we, how do we share this message? How do we reach people different from us? It's hard work. Paul learned how to do that. I would love for us to have language classes each evening here where people can learn a new language in order to share the gospel. Let's figure out the words, the terminology, the phrases that we need to have in our, in our own minds so that when we come across people of that culture, we can communicate. Let's have Cantonese and Hindi and Korean and Spanish and French lessons. Why not? Not for fun, but to share the gospel. I want to be all things to all people in order to save some, he says. All people. In this verse, Paul says, every person is equally important in the eyes of God. There's no one who is undeserving of hearing the gospel. It doesn't matter where they are or what they've done. Every person should have a chance to hear the good news, the evangel. Wouldn't it be great if God had a family from the culture that you least appreciate move next door to you as your neighbor? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great to build bridges over barriers to share God's love? He's saying, here's a challenge. Here's a test. What are you willing to do to cross that gap? to change your, your mind and your thinking in order to find a connection, in order to share the gospel. The good, you, your, your worst enemy may become your, your closest friend and your brother in Christ. He says, I want to save some. That means that not every evangelistic encounter is going to end with a person's salvation. Sometimes it takes many efforts, many encounters, many interactions, many evidences to convince people. Not everybody wants Jesus, but... Many do. Let's find the many, wherever they are. Elliot Clark wrote a book called Evangelism as Exiles, Life on Mission as Strangers in Our Own Land. It's a good book if you want to get inspired and challenged to share the gospel. What he's saying is we are strangers in this land. We don't actually belong here. We've been born again. We've been transformed from the inside out. We have a different kingdom. Our passport has changed from Canadian to kingdom of God. We are, we are trying to bring as many as we can to us. We no longer fit very well. We, we are constantly silenced and rebuked and told that our beliefs don't matter, and increasingly so. But the truth hasn't changed, that God still has good news for those that want to have eternal life, that want to have their sins forgiven. He says this in his book, I doubt many of us are guilty of browbeating anyone with the gospel. But if we're honest, we're often culpable for not respecting our opponents, for not showing due honor, for using our words 
to shame our enemies or attack their agendas, for casually slandering those with whom we disagree, even rejoicing when our sarcasm gets laughs or our meme gets likes. It should be noteworthy to us that from the outset of his letter, Peter's letter, he was concerned that his readers who faced regular insults for the faith would be quick. This is what Peter wrote in chapter 2, verse 1. Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Those are strong and comprehensive words, but Peter knew that Christian exiles easily slip into an unending volley of tit for tat, of hurting those who hurt them, of showing spite to their accusers, of harboring malice towards those who put them down, of mentally standing on their toes like a tennis player ready to return serve. We can't act like the world while we live in the world. We are of a different kingdom. We have a different purpose. We are trying to become all things to all people in order to save some. We can't act like the world acts in order to save others. We have to act like Christ would act in love and respect and honor of those around us. So what barriers or boundaries are there to overcome? Deuteronomy 32 says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. I will ascribe greatness to our God. How do we do that? with people who don't want to hear us, with people who don't look like us, with people who are even opposed to us philosophically. One of the challenges that we have to face in terms of getting the gospel out there is distance. I know people who think having to drive from Langley to Squamish is too far to drive. Any out there that, I mean, some people are just terrified to drive. They don't want to get on the highway, go everywhere they can, as long as there's no highway driving involved. I guess it de- depends on your goal. For me, as a, as a young person in University of Saskatchewan, um, I wanted to go home for Christmas. I would drive 1,700 miles without stopping to get from Saskatchewan to Delta, where my parents lived, because I had a goal. <laughs> it was well worth it. I didn't want to stay in Saskatchewan at 30 below at Christmas time when I could be in front of the fireplace with my parents and Christmas trees and all the goodies my mom made. You know, one of the biggest challenges evangelists have around the world is a motorcycle. They have a bicycle. They can go to four villages with their bicycle during the week. With a motorcycle, they can go to 15 to 20 villages. Help them in their transportation. Help them get where they need to be. Paul didn't think distance should be a reason people can't hear the message of hope. So he went on three different missionary journeys. Um, I can't even count up the number of miles he would have walked. He didn't even have a bicycle. They weren't invented yet. Imagine walking around the known world three times just to share the gospel. You know, the great thing today is that you can travel around the world in an instant on Zoom. You can get on a video chat. You can go email. You can go telephone call. You can reach around the world electronically. You don't even have to get out of your living room if you don't want to. Travel shouldn't be an excuse. It shouldn't be a reason why people don't hear the gospel. And right now, there's opportunities on websites uh, for, that's placed in India. And uh, people here in North America and even in, in, in our own region, Lower Mainland, are answering questions about the gospel from young people in India. We sit at home. We've got people we can talk to and share the truth about the gospel because they are coming to us via the Internet. What's another challenge that people face? Uh, language. I can't talk to them. I don't know how to share the gospel with them. Well, a lot of missionaries use colored 
bracelets that talk about the, or pictures that presenting the gospel. But now, where's my phone? Google Translate. Hello. <laughs> what does this mean in Ukrainian? Or what does this mean in Russian? And, and now language isn't even a barrier to sharing the gospel. You can get translation at any time you want. Or take a bilingual friend with you. So I worked with translators in a number of countries over the years. It's fun speaking into different cultures and different groups. Language is not just uh, a different kind of language, but sometimes it's different kind of meanings and different kind of worldviews and different kind of perspectives that you have to face. When Jesus spoke to the educated, he challenged them intellectually. When he spoke to the poor, he gave them hope at a level they could understand. Christ cared so much for the people that he was willing to even uh, lower himself as the son of God to help the, the most hurting person touch the leper, heal the, the lame. He, he came to their level uh, in a place that they could understand. Another challenge is culture. Uh, culture encompasses customs and arts and social institutions, cuisine, beliefs, religion, clothing, music, myths, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or another social group. Culture is huge. Every time I go to a new country, I'm, I'm astounded at a particular uh, Myanmar was one of the most different kind of cultures that I've been to, Buddhist countries. You just, everywhere you look is their religion. It's in your face. You can't escape it. The, the monks, the, the people the, are, that are dedicated to the temple. It's like, this is like way outside of my comfort zone, but they need the gospel too. What will it take for us to reach across cultural barriers to bring Jesus? Social status. People uh, have to be a certain social standing in order to talk to other people. Uh, you have to have a certain number of powers or, or holdings or financial resources that you won't get talked to. There's certain elites up there. There's politicians. There's, there's a wealthy people. How do we break in or how do we break down into those that uh, stand out here and talk to a street person that's been sleeping outside our, our door at the church all night long to, to come and just sit with them and say, how's it going? What can I get you? It's intimidating sometimes, but you know, Jesus didn't see economic status. He saw a soul needing the truth of the gospel. What's another barrier? Religion. Someone once said, I cannot leave my father's religion. I must be loyal to my father's traditions. Christianity is foreign to my ancestors, and it is a white man's religion, and I cannot believe it. This could have been the apostle Paul. He could have said exactly the same thing. My father is a Jew. I, I can't believe in Christianity. I have to, I have to follow the traditions of my, my ancestors and my, my people. My family would ostracize me if I became a Christian. Yet when he met Jesus Christ face to face, everything changed. His life was never the same again. He found something more significant than his own family's traditions and religion. Listen to the extent to which Paul went to to share the gospel. Here's, here's the cost that he paid to become all things to all people comes out of 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23. It says, I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and I faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift of the sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers, from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. And I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have not had food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. Besides this, I've got a daily burden for my concerns for all the churches. When I read that and things that Paul had to give up, and it cost him to to share the gospel, I I look at myself and I wonder, the worst thing that I have to give up is a possibility of being rejected by someone who doesn't want to know the gospel. I'm just saying, you know, I'll pray for you. And they're going, don't pray for me. There is no God. Like, oh, ooh, that really hurt. Ooh, stung. Ooh. (laughs) That's not being whipped or thrown in prison or living at sea because I was shipwrecked trying to get to share the gospel with another culture. I haven't gone without food or clothing or I haven't been beaten with rods or thrown rocks at my head. Like Paul, he's saying, guys, (laughs) the gospel can cost. The gospel can hurt us. But what's... What's the cost if we don't share the gospel? The gospel will reach across all barriers and boundaries and bring, us, bring every person back to their spiritual center. The gospel is designed to cross into culture, cross across religions, to, to bring people back, to, to fill that empty void in people's hearts that only God can fill through Jesus Christ. They, they, they're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for filling. They're looking for the answers in life, and it's only found in Jesus. And we have the answer. We have the truth. Billy Graham said, I've walked down jungle trails in Africa where I met fellow Christians. Immediately, we were brothers, even though we were separated by language, race, and culture. There's a spiritual uh, gathering that the the Holy Spirit does with his people, and it, it, it testifies that we are one in Christ. So the gospel is far more than just how to be saved. It's not contained in four spiritual laws written on a brochure or a gospel tract. The gospel is a way of life. We, we were living out the gospel every day. We go to work, we're at the grocery store, we're in the community. We live out what we believe. We live out the truth. Some people have to pay a very heavy price to accept the gospel. I do know personally of people that were kicked out of their families because they became Christian. They were told never to come home again. They're ostracized from their family. All the grandkids get Christmas presents except for theirs because the family don't agree with Christianity. There's a price to pay for accepting the gospel. There's a price to pay for sharing the gospel. But the price is far greater for not accepting it and not sharing it. I was talking with someone recently who said, I just don't, I'm not really motivated to share my faith. And I said, well... Maybe you should pray a famous prayer that I've heard people in past generations pray. And it just says, God, give me a picture of hell. Let me see where people are going if I don't share the gospel. Let me see the consequence there is if I don't share. And this person who's, several people have prayed this prayer. And they were so astonished by what God revealed to them that they were changed forever just to realize what the consequence of not sharing is, what the consequence of not believing is. I want to share with you just uh, three more quotes that are kind of random, 
I couldn't fit them into my sermon, but I thought they were pretty good. So here they are. Rick Warren says, the way you store up treasure in heaven is by investing and getting people there. Leonard Ravenhill says, any method of evangelism will work if God is in it. In other words, just start sharing. Just open your mouth. Just try. With the power of God, it can change a life. Andrew Murray says, the man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to the world evangelism, evangelization in history. Just, if you can do nothing else, can you come here and pray? Can you come help us get the power of God to transform our community? Can you ask God to open the doors that we can walk through with the gospel, with the good news, to, to make a real difference in people's lives? And I already read the Kirk Cameron one. If you had the cure for cancer, would you share it? We have the cure for death. Let's get out there and share it. Did you bow with me in prayer? Thanks, God, for this day, for the challenge that we face to bring the good news, the gospel, to people around us. Whether it's next door, across the street, around the world, we have the answer to eternal death. May we have the courage to share it. It's my prayer in Christ's name. Amen.